0: How many people know God is able? Amen. God is able to do way above what we can think or imagine. And right about now, I feel like I need him to open up this country up. Because I don't know about you, but I need a break. I need a break of all that corona talk. I mean, I'm a news addict, so I watch the news day in, day out. The same news over and over and over again. And all about, you know, the corona and all of that stuff. And at a certain point, you feel like you need a break. You feel like you need them to reopen and come back um, to how things were before. Uh, You look at the news and you see now people all over the country are starting to protest because apparently... I'm not alone that's, you know, it's it's been real, it's been good, but open up. Now, this being said, this is not a medical broadcast. I'm not saying that this is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I'm just telling you how I feel. How many will feel, you know, it's time for a break? And and, and I'm not even a doctor. I'm not even a nurse. I cannot imagine how those people must feel right about now, day in, day out in those hospital feel of people. So now you want to talk about people that need a break. Now talk about the nurses and the doctors and the first responders that have to take this crisis um, uh, face on. Right. And then us that, that are at home doing our thing, you know, we like to complain. But a lot of time we complain for no for no valid reason, because there's people that are going through a lot more. You want to need a break? Talk about the person that lost their job. Right. And, and the money of the government came and left. And, and now they're ready to go back to work because they got mouths to feed. And where's the money coming from to feed those mouths? I want to talk about people who need a break. Talk about the people who contracted the virus and are fighting for their lives and they feel like they need a break. The psalm that we read today, psalm 27, is kind of that similar situation where the psalmist, that psalm is a tough psalm and he's, and he's putting his hope in God, but he's going through a hard time and he's having enemies left and right coming at him. And, 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 but in the midst of that storm, that is a tough psalm, psalm, that is a, a bad psalm. There is a, a part of it that looks like it's a pause. It looks like there is a pause. And um, I want to reread for you verse 4 to verse 6 of Psalm 27 that we just read. And And it goes like this. Psalm 27, verse 4 to verse 6. It's coming. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surrounded me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Amen. And God's word is already blessed. So we have a situation where you have a bad passage, but you have a good section in the passage where the psalmist says, you know what? I'm going to take a break from thinking about all the enemies and I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to ask the Lord one thing. And the one thing I'm going to ask is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And while I'm in the house of the Lord, I'm going to gaze at the beauty of the Lord and I will seek his face. And that's what he wants to do. Now, when you're a dweller, there's some benefits that come with dwelling in in, in a place. And unfortunately, we live in unfortunately we live in Florida. It's a very nice place. Like you look at other people that are in quarantine, you know they're in their apartment because it's cold. And but in Florida, you can take a, a walk out and, and and enjoy the weather. And it's funny to me because um, if you want to know a Floridian, it's the one that's not going to the beach. If you want to know somebody that lives in Florida, is somebody that never goes to the beach. Tim, when's the last time you went to the beach? Precisely the point. And, 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 and when I first came to Florida, I would be at the beach a lot. And I would visit things a lot. Now, the last time I went to the beach is sometime last year. But other people pay thousands of dollars to come down to Florida and enjoy the weather. But us, we, 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 we live here, but we get so busy. We get so troubled and so busy with other things that we never take time to go to the beach. We, we never take time to go and, and just take a hike. We visit websites, but we never go visit the sites. We, we, we take time to, to, to go and post and, and likes, but we never take time to, you know, pass around and, and find something to like. Some actual physical thing to like. And we, 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 we spend so much time connected online that we're disconnected from other people. And we're disconnected from God. And, and at a certain point, you have to take a time where you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break from all the different distractions. I'm going to take a break from all the busyness. And, and I'm going to go and I'm going to dwell in where that matters. I'm going to invest in where that matters. And where that matters spiritually is in the presence of God. And the one thing that the psalmist is asking is to, to have access to be able to dwell in the presence of God. And I can understand why he would be asking, because you do not go in front of royalty just anyway. If you remember in the book of Esther, she could not go see her husband, the king, just anyway. She had to ask permission and he had to grant the permission, otherwise she could die. Try to show up, like I don't care who you support, after you vote, try to show up at the White House unannounced and say, I voted for you. See if you get invited in. Now, they're not going to let you in. Doesn't matter how you vote, they're not going to let you in because you cannot come to the leader of the country unannounced. Even if you're the biggest fan, you cannot come without an invitation. But what I want to tell you this morning is for the greatest authority of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, permission has been granted for us to approach his throne. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And you see... That Jesus, by his sacrifice, has made the way for us to be able to enter the throne the throne room of God, the most powerful room in the universe. It's not in the White House. It's not in the Situation Room. It's not in the Kremlin. It's not in, in Beijing or Shanghai. The most powerful room in the universe is the throne of God. And access to that room has been granted to you and me through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, we have access to enter into the, the, the presence of God. And the word dwell in Hebrew is yeshav, which means to sit, to remain, and to dwell, or to abide, to remain. And it has a sense of, you know what, like we would say in Creole, pose, come down, sit down, relax, and dwell in and, and favor. Kind of like if you've ever been to the beach and you just. Lay there and you you soak the sun. Or you're in your bath and you put your bubbles and you just stay there and you and you take it all in. You know you could bathe in the presence of God. You could just dwell in the presence of God and just stay there for a moment. Yes, I know you have the busyness. Yes, I know you have the business. Yes, I know the body is hurting and the and and and, and, the, and the bills are piling up. But at a certain point, the best thing you could do, the most powerful thing you could do to bring your case forward is to take your hands off and call on God to put his hand in the situation. It's for you to get to take your hands off and just dwell in the presence of the Lord and let him take care of it. You remember what Paul and Silas did when they were in prison? When they were in chains, what did they do? They Called upon God and they, they just praised. They didn't pray, they didn't, uh, they just praised the Lord. And what happened? The chains broke and the presence of God came in. You have to understand when the presence of God comes into your situation, the sickness cannot stay. The bills got to get paid because he's Jehovah Jarrah, the Lord who provides. The the, the, the conflicts got to stop because he's the prince of peace and he brings peace wherever he comes. So when you dwell in the presence of God, guess what happens in your home? The presence of God comes down. Guess what happens in your heart? The peace of God sets in. So where to dwell? So the first decision that you make is to reposition yourself from a state of worriness and busyness to a state of stillness in the presence of God. But then number two, You gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And sometimes we forget to to just take time to gaze. When we were young, uh, they used to take us to camp. And you know, at camp, the difference between camp and the city is the city has so many lights that you cannot see the sky clearly at night. You cannot see the stars. You cannot see the beauty of the sky. But when you get away and you go into camp and it's pitch black and then you look up and you see the beauty of the skies and God's presence, you know, you can tell uh, the personality of an artist in when you look at his masterpieces, when you look at his work of art, And when you look at nature, you see the character of God and you see the nurturing of God. You see you see God's splendor in space. You see God's master majesty in the mountains. You see God's beauty in the blossoms, and you see the wonders of God when you look at the underwater world, and you see all the beauties of nature that gives you the character of God. And you look at all those different things, and they don't lack anything. They're not missing anything. So why would you, his precious child, be missing anything? If he takes care of the little fish, he's going to take care of you. If he takes care of, of, of of the, the lilies and the, and the the sparrows, and he's going to take care of you. And you see the love of God when you look at the smile of a little one. You know, I think there's nothing more beautiful than the smile of a little baby. And you know, and I don't know who I'm talking to today, but if you find yourself pregnant, and you decide, or oh, should I keep the child, or should I, I kill the child, I'm going to tell you, you should keep the child. Why? Because when a child is born, automatically the child comes with love. The child, when the child is a baby, automatically the child comes with love and there's nothing more precious than the mother that holds a child and the child lay uh, his head on the shoulder and and you see this child is at peace and the child is at love. And you see, that is the signature of God's love in our lives. And you see God's love also when you look at at the different stories of just normal people doing extraordinary thing in this summer crisis to help other people. Now, I don't know all the stories, and I don't know if they're Christians or if they're not Christian. but I can tell you one thing. When somebody goes out of the way to help somebody else in need, they are being Christ-like. Because that's how what Christ did for us. He went out of his way to come and help us. So when you look at that, when you gaze at that, you can see the glory of God. You can see the hand of God at work in places where you would not have thought about it before. But you need to open your spiritual eyes so that you can gaze at the beauty of the Lord. And, and I want to tell you something. If you open your Bibles with me in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 1-4, to and it's Paul giving his testimony. And he says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in this body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things things that no one is permitted to tell. Paul's basically saying that I was caught up into heaven. And I don't know if I was in my body. I don't know if I was out of my body, but I was in heaven. And what I saw in heaven, it's not permitted for men to be able to express it. It's not permitted to men to be able to say it. It's not that it's forbidden, is that you do not have the capacity to relate effectively the realities of heaven. So what I want to tell you is whatever beauty you see on earth, whatever awesomeness you see on earth, it doesn't compare to what is up in heaven. It doesn't compare from what God has prepared for you in heaven. So you don't have to worry too much about what's just going on down there because you have a residence that is being made for you up there. You don't have to worry about the bills up there because you have the riches that are in heaven for you and it cannot be compared. It's so much cannot be compared that when you look at Paul's life, you see that he was beaten. He was beaten. Like like what you see in the Passion of the Christ, the movie, like how they're beating up Jesus. Paul had to go through that five times in his life. He was shipwrecked two times. One time they beat him up so much that he was left like if he was dead, like they 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 threw the stones at him, and they looked, they said that guy is dead, and they left. But God wasn't done with him, so God brought him back. And then you know what he did? He went back to the same city to start preaching the gospel again. And you know why? Romans eight eighteen he says, he says this: I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And he says, like, all the things that I'm going through, yes, they're hard, but they don't compare to the glory that I saw in heaven when I visited there. So I'm okay taking all the beatings. I'm okay because I know what's waiting. So I got to ask myself, why would a guy take so much beatings? What he saw must be very nice if he's able to take those beatings like this. It must be very nice if Jesus left it and said, you know what? This is so good. I don't want to rejoice in it alone. Let me go down there. Let me die for these people so that they can come and rejoice with me. And Jesus says, said, you know what? I'm leaving and I'm preparing for you a place. So if, if Jesus is making it, you think Royal Caribbean can make something more than Jesus? Do you, do you think that, 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 that Hilton or, or Ritz can make something better than Jesus? Jesus is the architect of the universe. Jesus made everything. And the good thing with God is that even now in worship, you can gaze at his beauty. You can get a glimpse of what heaven is going to be. Psalm 19 once says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim him the work of his hands. And you can see God's glory at work. So your first decision is to reposition yourself from a state of worriness to a state of stillness and dwell in the presence of God. The second decision is to reposition your focus You reposition your focus from the the, the stuff that is trivial to what is eternal, from the little things to what is beautiful, from the ugliness of this world to the beauty of God. And you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. But third, you need to repurpose your energies. You need to repurpose your energies so that you invest, you repurpose from what, away from what is trivial to what is eternal, from what is temporary to what is, is, is infinite, from what is passing to what is lasting. And the third one is to seek. He says, I will seek his face I seek him in his temple and, and 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 the funny thing is is when you seek something you know sometimes we we're such in a microwave generation that we look like like it's a Google search right we go into Google and boom you got thousands of stuff you open the first five pages and you you find what you're looking for but this is not a Google search this is to seek and, and it's funny if you want to know how what it means to seek him in his temple it's like if you ever had to take a flight and you lost your passport, and the flight, it's about time to leave for your flight, and you're looking for your passport, what happens? You're just gonna start looking everywhere for your passport. If you had $300, somebody, your mom gave you $300 when you were a kid, Okay, maybe not 300, right? No, maybe 30. Well, they gave you money and you have money and out of the blue, you lose that money. And it was a lot of money. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to start looking for that money in and out under the bed and in the closet everywhere you're looking for that money until you find it. You're going to look for your car keys. It's time to leave. And I know people can relate to that one. It's time to leave. You have to go to work. You can't be late to work because you've been late past two times and you're on time now and you're about to leave and you can't find your keys and you look what you're going to do you're going to look for your keys everywhere until you find them there is not finding the keys is not an option you have to find the keys that's how we have to seek God a lot of times we go we pray five minutes we don't feel anything we think I didn't work move on but that's not what God wants God wants us to seek him and, and, and the good thing with God is God wants to be found. God wants to be found. It's kind of like if you were in high school, right, if you remember, and, um, you know, and obviously you wouldn't do that because you're a Christian, but maybe the guy next to you, you know, you, you had a crush on a girl. And, and you want to talk to the girl, you know, and see if she'd go out with you on the date. And, 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 but you have the nerves, you know, unless you're a super, you know, woman's man. You have the nerves. But then your your homeboy comes and says, you know what? Her friend is friend with my sister and I overheard him and she said that she likes you. Out of a sudden, when you hear that, you get more confidence. Out of a sudden, when you hear that, you get more courage. And now you can approach her girl and now you can go talk to her because you know now that she actually wants you to find her. Look at what Jesus, what the Bible says in Colossians, Colossians 1 verse 15 to 23. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or power or rulers or authorities, things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to to have all of his fullness dwell in him and though and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross once you were all alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of the your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you by Christ physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard so that has been proclaimed to you to every creature under heaven and of which Paul has become a servant. And he says that through Jesus Christ, through the body bodily death of Jesus Christ, what God was doing, he was reconciling. So before you were an enemy of God, before you were you were at odds with God, but God says, you know what? I don't want to be at odds with you. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to fight. Actually, I want to fellowship with you. And now through the Son, Jesus Christ, he brings us together. When it says firstborn, firstborn doesn't mean the first that was born. It means the one that has priority the one that has preeminence the one that is the most important and 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 through Christ we are reunited to God and that was the whole goal the whole goal it was to bring us back in fellowship with God and he says you know what right now you're not being judged according to your sins of the past you're not I'm not going to hold those against you because you are found in the sun and you are fine you are you are washed by the blood of the sun and now you, you can seek me and you will find me look at what he says in Jeremiah 29 verse 13 he says you will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart if you seek me with all your heart you will find me Hebrews 6 Hebrews 11 verse 6 says and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him earnestly seek him seek him with all your heart seek him with all your effort it's not sufficient just to come to church it's not sufficient and i think part of this crisis right is to make sure it's kind of god said okay you know what you don't need to come to the building You need to come to me. You need to come and seek me. Coming on Sunday, coming on Wednesday, and then going home, that's not what I'm asking of you. I'm asking of you to come and serve me and be with me fully, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything that you got. Come and seek me and worship me. That's what God wants. He wants people that seek him. And I guarantee you, a lot of times, it takes the crisis to bring us to a place where we seek God. And in this passage, you will see later that, yes, he's crying out to God, and yes, he's seeking God for the problem. But amongst the problem, he takes a break to just seek God for his beauty, to seek God for who he is. And you know what's wonderful with God? Is that though you seek him for his beauty, and, and that should be enough. Because you see, in our, the way that we are, in the way that we're wired, we're wired for beauty. We're wired for beauty. That's why you you decorate your house. You're not satisfied with just coming to a place that will protect you. You need it to be nice. Why? Because you're wired for beauty. That's how God has wired us. So to come to the most beautiful person in the universe, that should be enough. That should be enough. But the thing with God is that even though that would be enough, he decides that he's going to reward us. He decides out of the goodness of his heart that he's going to reward us, and then you realize that it's it, it is it's not just a religious situation; it's a love story. And you realize that the biggest love story that there is is not Abraham and Sarah, it's not Isaac and Rebecca, it's not David and Bathsheba; it's Jesus and you. Jesus and you is the biggest love story that there is. And while you're 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 bathing in the presence, he rewards you, and he says in verse five, he says, "He will keep me." He will keep me. He will keep me. That's a defensive position. And, and, and the, the, the illustration that you could find if you watch sports, to, to, it's like the, the linebackers, right? The linebackers, they protect the quarterback. And, and, and in your life, you're the quarterback and you have things that you got to do. And, and, and God is there to protect you until you're able to make that pass. And, 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 and in hockey, you have a goalkeeper. And in soccer, you also have a goalkeeper. And, 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 it, and it's very hard in soccer when they do those penalty kicks because the, 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 the net is so wide, right? And it's almost guaranteed a goal because the net is so wide. But our goalkeeper, Jesus Christ, is the Alpha and the Omega. So he knows where the ball is going to end before the enemy has kicked. And so he cannot score unless God let it through because God is our soul keeper, He's the one that guarded your soul, and nothing can come to you un- unless he allows it. I'll give you an example. We were riding our bikes outside, and my son fell. The bike fell, out. and you know what I said with my tender-heartedness fatherhood? I said, good, good. Why? Because I know he could take it. You're not going to be a kid, a normal kid, and you don't fall sometimes. You're not going to ride your bike, and you never dare to bump. Is riding a bike, getting a bump is part of riding a bike, getting a little bruise here and there is part of riding a bike. But I guarantee you, if he would have fell and a car was coming, if he would have fell and a truck was coming, I would have picked him up and I would have kept him. I would have protected him because he could take the little fall, but he cannot take the car. He can take the little bump, but he cannot take the truck. And and, and that's the way God operates. The the trials that you have, if God is allowing them to get in your life, is because in you, he already put what you need to overcome that trial. And you need to trust that the strength comes from him and that he's going to see you through that trial because you can take it. But what he's going to do, he's going to keep you from what you cannot take. He's going to keep you from the burden that is higher than high. He's going to keep you from the burden that is bigger than you. But the little stuff, he gives you the strength to carry through. So he's going to keep you. That's a defensive position. But then he's gonna hide you. He's gonna be a little bit more proactive. He's gonna hide you so that they can't find you. So when the boss comes around and he's trying to find who he's gonna fire, out of a sudden you forget your name. You forget that you even exist. He's gonna hide you. When, 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 when you're on the road and you don't know how many times God's angel hid you from some crazy driver that was texting and driving, that was drinking and driving, and God hid you from the contact. He's gonna hide you. So they can't even find you. They don't even know your house. You know they're, they're they're trying to attack the houses, but they can't even see your house because there's an angel of the Lord sending over your house. He hides you, and then last he sets you up. He sets you up upon up upon a, uh, a rock. And if you know military uh, combat, the best position is when you're up on a rock. So that doesn't mean that 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 that, that you're not going to have fights, but that he's going to put you in a situation where you have the upper hand, where you have the upper hand. But you have to understand this, that your brother, your sister, that's not who your enemy is. Your enemy is in the spiritual world. Your enemy is that invisible enemy. Our enemy right now is a virus. And, and I feel bad for the virus because when the people of God pray, that virus has got to go. But the bigger enemy, the invisible enemy, the one that's trying to make trouble, when you put yourself in the presence of God, he can't touch you. He can't touch you. He can try, but God set you in a position of authority. He sets you up upon a rock. And when you have the high ground in the battle, then you're bound to, to win that battle. And he gives us the high ground. So when you have setbacks, understand that there's just setups for God to set you upon a rock. So repurpose your energies, not for what is trivial, but, what's, but for what is eternal. And look at what he says. He finishes this passage in verse 6, and he says that he will go in the house of the Lord, and he will sing songs to the Lord. You know, how you get into the presence of God, you need worship. You need to go in the presence of God in worship. You, you cannot underestimate the power of worship. He says he, he he sits and throws amongst the praises of his people. How many times in the scriptures when the people were faced with danger, they were faced with Jericho, they were faced with, with enemies and what they did, they worship. And when they worshiped them, the, the walls came tumbling down. When they worshiped, the word came to the prophet. When they worshiped, the prison broke. So now we're going to close and I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me as we, as we close today. And I'm going to challenge you to take a time when you're done and it's time for you alone, you alone, you and your God. If you want to bring up that worship music, you bring up that worship music and you just spent some times some time worshiping God. And you say, how long until, until what, until you'll know when the until has arrived. You'll know when God says, this is it. And in the presence of God, that's where you find the answers for your problems. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, God, and we just want to lift your name up because you allow us to come and dwell into your presence. You allow us to come and gaze at your beauty. You allow us to come and seek your face, God. And we want to take time this this afternoon, God, to just seek your face and just dwell in your presence, God, and give you the praise and give you the glory that you alone deserve, God. We want to put the problems aside. We want to put the, 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 the troubles and the worries aside, God, and we want to take time to, to give you praise and give you honor and give you glory because only you alone deserve it. You alone deserve it. You alone deserve our full attention, God. And God, I pray that you reveal to us how beautiful you are. Because our minds cannot comprehend. Our thoughts, like we cannot, our imagination cannot make up your beauty, God. You you cannot be explained. You must be revealed. And we pray that you reveal yourself to us. And we pray for this, God, not because we have any merit, not because we have any righteousness of our own, but in the righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come and we ask for your presence. In his name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.